0: All right, uh, here we go. Uh, Another year, another podcast uh, with our buddy Brian Nemhauser from hawkblogger.com. I I have no idea how many years, for God's sakes, we've been doing this thing. It feels like about 90, by the way, Uh, between me and Brian. Might be closer to 80. I have no idea. All I know is that ever since you and I started doing this, pal, things have gone pretty darn well for our favorite football team. So we have to keep this thing going, don't we?
1: We do. We do. It's been been an upward climb, and – you know, I have to say, before you even talk Seahawks, like, I'm not sitting with you, but I feel like I'm talking to half the person that I, <laughs> I, I've been talking to before.
0: I've seen pictures, my friend. Well... I appreciate that, man. You know, I was. Uh, Hugh Millen w- told me that uh, the new me looks like he crawled out of the old me. <laughs> uh, like the old me is a container for the new me. Is, Are you saying uh, that there's
1: a of that. Uh, rumor of deflating going on? There
0: might be. Happening? Well, you know, at my age, it certainly is, you know, <laughs> potentially an issue. So no doubt I may have to deal with that. But I appreciate that. You know, down uh, as of right now, almost 60 pounds. So. I don't know, man. We'll see. I mean, uh, the downside to all this is having to buy a bunch of new clothes. You know, I was out uh, hosting a banquet a couple weekends ago and went and tried my suits on and nothing fit and had to borrow a shirt, a jacket, and a pair of pants from my neighbor, for God's sakes.
1: There you go. Well, you know, I look at it as a an opportunity to uh, upgrade because yeah. you know, I, I see what you normally wear. Oh, so, you do, huh? Uh, yeah, really. I, I, think, I think you can uh, you can get a new Huskies jersey now. Ah, and, uh, ah a okay. new Seahawks, you know, pair of sweatpants. Well, listen,
0: you know? you're no uh, you're no fashion Maven yourself, pal. All right, I'll, I'll just throw that out there. And, hey, by the way, before we get into detail on this year's team and all the happenings and goings on, you and I had a wager on Kristen Michael that we made about a year ago at this yeah. time. And I'm wondering if that wager translates to Dallas.
1: Well, see, I, you know, it, it doesn't. At least, really, in, the way, it was, in okay. the way it was worded, it doesn't. Tell people,
0: tell people about the bet.
1: So the bet was the bet was if Kristen Michael ever got the chance to be the featured number one back yeah. for the Seahawks right. um, for a full season, that he would rush for more yards than Marshawn Lynch. Um, had rushed in his most productive Seahawks season.
0: Which was like 1, fifteen hundred and change. Fifteen hundred and yeah. change. Yeah. Right.
1: So that doesn't really translate well to going to Dallas. But here's I'd already thought about that. He's got a better line
0: in Dallas it, than he
1: here's, here's what I would offer. I would I would say um if Kristen Michael gets twenty carries, the first the first game that 20, Kristen Michael gets twenty carries in a game, mm-hmm. he will get over a hundred yards rushing.
0: So you're you're offering that as a wager? Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, That would would be my wager. An alternate would be just the first start he gets.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's just go first start, uh, which is actually a better deal for you because you might get 28 carries and – you know, get a hundred yards. Yes, yeah. but we'll go. We'll go first, start in Dallas, and then we'll go dinner with the wives on the line. How's that? Sounds sound? good. Okay, sounds good. All yeah. right. All right. Well, now I find myself in a weird spot rooting against Kristen Michael, which is not terrible because the guy plays for the Cowboys now, so I'm actually okay with that. But let's let's talk about the team he left. I mean, here we go, man. Two days away from the Seahawks and Rams on Sunday. It's been a crazy. Wacky offseason. How about we just get kind of some general thoughts going first about where this team's at? You know, I'm watching the Patriots last night. I'm with you. That that pregame made me sick. Uh, The Super Bowl patches the Patriots were wearing made me sick. Seeing the highlights over and over again of Malcolm Butler make you want to vomit. Uh, how are you doing uh, now that we're, what, seven, eight months removed from that game and the 2015 season starts on Sunday? It
1: is, it's really funny, man. It's, it is, it's a little schizophrenic, right? Because on one hand, I mean, you start talking about it. we're two days away from Seahawks football, and, you know, I, I'm ecstatic, right? Like, this, this is a fantastic time. Like, this is just great. You, you've got so many um, things that I think are really exciting about the Seahawks team, and you can't wait to see them play. And at the same time, you know, you've got all this propaganda about um, you know, the, the patriots and I don't I'm not someone that begrudges them winning that game. I don't think they cheated their way to winning that game. I, none of that stuff. I mean, whatever. I think uh, as far as I'm concerned, overall I think they were probably the better team that day. Uh, a lot of people won't agree with me, but but you know, I think I think they played a good game and deserved to win. Um You know, even though at the end, the Seahawks had a great shot to to, to get the victory. So the thing that's hard for me is that people talk about it like the Patriots are some sort of like otherworldly, you know, franchise and, and team. And the only reason they won that game at the end is because the Seahawks made the wrong decision at the half yard line. I mean, that's, I mean, everybody that criticizes the Seahawks is basically saying, hey, the Patriots didn't win. The Seahawks lost. Right. And that's how I see it. Yeah. So as long as there's some level of acknowledgement of that, I'm fine. They won given the championship. But don't treat them like, ah, oh, let's do a whole special about just do your job. Jesus. Everybody's told to do their job. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't do anything that the Seahawks or, or, you know, half a dozen other teams don't do mm-hmm. day in, day out. So. That's the part that, that that wears on me. You know, it's the the NFL press machine. But uh, you know, that's the only way to, sh- to shut them up is for the Seahawks to go back yeah. and get get it done this time.
0: Well, and and I saw your tweet the other day about if you could like uh, you know write history for the next uh, six months, you would have the Seahawks and Patriots meet in Santa Clara and then write the wrong. And and I'm totally with you. I mean, it used to be that I'd like to see Pittsburgh and write the wrong, but that team is so different than they were. In 05, I think the only guy left, as a matter of fact, from both teams is Big Ben. I think everybody else is gone. I mean, was James Harrison? He was on that team, right? He probably in, uh, was on that in team. In 05, yeah. So just may- maybe a small handful of guys are left from those two teams in 05. Nobody from the Seahawks, obviously, is uh, is still there. So I think you know, getting a chance to face basically the same team that you saw a year ago, would be pretty special, and you're right, the storyline for that game was the Hawks losing it, not the Patriots winning it, but I just, you know, there's there's a skeptic in me that lives inside my belly, as you know, that just is wondering, was that as good as it gets? And is this team now in for a little bit of a fall? Uh, the offensive line obviously is a major question mark. We'll see how they do starting Sunday against the Rams. I think you just survive that game and move on. Hell, I'll take a you know a 6-3 to three win right now if you can guarantee it. But what about moving forward now with the Cam story, no longer having Max Unger? A couple of guys are banged up. Uh, it's just going to get harder and harder and harder, Brian, as you know, to get back to that game.
1: Yeah, I, I actually don't think that's right, uh, Softy. I, I think you know um, most statisticians would tell you, like you know, what happened before is is not going to have a bearing on what happens now. You re-rack, right? Like the it re-racks and everyone's back to zero, and then you look at you know which teams have the highest probability of getting there. And by most accounts, um, the Seahawks, if, if they're not the favorite, they are right dang near the favorite to to do it again. Not only get there, but to win it. And I think that's right. I think that's how it should be. I think this is the best roster in the NFL. They've been there the last two years, not by accident, and not in any easy way. I mean, people forget 2013, they think, oh, man, that team was legendary. Guess what? Paul McQuiston and Michael Bowie were your tackles yep. for half that season. Yep. Like, that offensive line was horrible for, for a lot of that time. You've got, you know, 2014. I mean, we all know, remember last year, they were 6-4. and four. Their backs were against the wall. Um things weren't going well. They had they had injuries and other things. So it, what's been clear is that when this team is right, when this core group is right and when they're focused and when they know what they want to do, there is nobody that beats them. And the only thing, you know, the, the reason the Patriots won, you know, yeah, they they got Tom Brady and he absolutely deserves kudos, but Seahawks were a shell themselves on defense as well. I think if you got a healthy Seahawks defense, I don't think that game's the same game Uh, I guess I just put it that way so um, and, and I don't say that to sound like the Broncos fans did the year before but um, I mean, that was a game where the Seahawks blew out the Broncos without mm-hmm. some of their best players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think this was in a very close game. That was a pretty significant change.
0: You know, it's funny how everything goes back to that game. Here we are talking about how hard it's going to be to get back there. And then you kind of morph into going back to Glendale a year ago. I think we're going to be referencing that game in some form or fashion for the rest of our lives. And what I'm talking about is just, look, I mean, the degree of difficulty. And I don't know if it's luck Because I think you make your own luck, but you talk about them getting there two years in a row. How close were they the last two years to not getting there at all? I mean, that Niner game obviously could have gone either way. The Packer game, they were dead with, you know, three minutes to go. I mean, you easily could go back and I could give you a scenario where they don't get the play or two that they need. And they haven't even played in one Super Bowl with Pete Carroll, you, you know, let alone winning Absolutely. a championship. So the, the degree of difficulty in getting there three years in a row and to become the first NFC team to do it and have to do it with different guys. And you say if the roster is right, if the, if the core is right. Well, right now they're not right because <laughs> they don't have number 31. And I, I'm, I'm surprised I, that we're sitting here talking about this. I thought he would have been here by now. I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's absolutely almost heartbreaking to not have this guy around and to see how people are treating him. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but man, this guy has gone from the penthouse to the outhouse as far as his perception by a lot of people that root for this team.
1: Yeah. And and I got this one totally wrong as well. I mean, people were asking me early in camp and I said, you know, look, the guy, Cam's going to be back. They're always back. You know, there'll be acrimony, but they'll figure it out. Um, and that hasn't been the case. And, you know, now I, I'm of the mind of, you know, don't count on this guy. I mean, until, you know, until week 10 or whatever, when he has to report um, to accrue a season, you know, maybe you get five or four starts out of him if, if they choose to do that. And, and maybe you got a Joey Galloway situation and he's gone next year. I mean, that mm-hmm. that is a very realistic possibility. I think it's positive that, that uh, they've started talking a little bit um, publicly. We're hearing more about Cam's point of view, even – you know, if there's still disagreement about what he's saying, I think that's positive. Um, but look, uh, the one thing I'm absolutely clear on is, you know, this is his business and the Seahawks business is certainly not mine. So coming in there and and acting like holier than thou, that I'm better than Cam and how could he do this? And he's betraying. And I'm not here to judge Cam Chancellor. That guy's put his his health and his you know, uh, life on the line, so to speak, for this team. He, he plays as hard as anyone ever has. That's put on the uniform. He's been a big part of why we've won those those games we've won. And, you know, he's making an adult decision. Might be a bad one, but guess what? There's going to be consequences. He's not going to get paid um, for this game and maybe for these other games. So that 900000 that he's saying they're, they're part. guess what? That's three game checks. So yeah. <laughs> he yeah. wants to yeah. make a compromise. Yeah. He should just come back and get his money now.
0: Well, what that is, it's also a player. For the season is nine hundred thousand dollars. Right. I mean, yeah. there's guys that will be making less than that. And look, okay. I mean, I, hey, I, I agree with you. If the guy wants to do this, then that's his prerogative. But as you also said, there's consequences, man. And, you know, the consequences are and, you know, a guy, you know, said this to me the other day is exactly right that this is a guy that was headed straight to the ring of honor, I think, in in, in Seattle and still may get there one day. And his legacy in Seattle has taken a hit because of this situation, whether fair or unfair. It doesn't really matter if you think it's fair or unfair. It's reality that there are people out there that are pissed at Cam Chancellor for what he's doing. And the Joey Galloway story, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when he was holding out, he had, what, uh, one year after that? I think it was 2,000, left on his contract. Is that right? Yeah, Cam, I think that's right. Cam's got two years left, so he sits out and then wants to trade over the offseason. The Hawks still control him for two years, but for right now, I'm of the mentality of, hey, he's not here, the hell with it. Move on and talk about the guys you have now. I love everything I'm hearing from Dion Bailey. Had a chance to talk with him at the VMAC on Wednesday, and I love the guy's attitude, and I'm super curious to see how the guy performs starting on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think Deion Bailey is a strong player. Uh, you know, he's he's a different player than Cam Chancellor. But, um, you know, I, I think the things we're going to have to look for there are, you know, is he in the right position? Not whether the guy has the athletic ability to make a, a tackle or make a play, but, you know, is he in the right place? I saw him scrambling quite a bit during preseason games. I've been on the Deion Bailey bandwagon since last year. And, you know, when you asked me earlier in this before first game of preseason – who was on my list, that was one of the guys. I mean, I think uh, I believe in his talent, but I think he's best suited as a third safety, more of a Jaron Johnson kind of role, um, where he can be a little bit for free form to, to make some plays. Um, he's going to have to be more than that, um, at least to start. And so, you know, if you want to be glass half full, it is, you know, he's getting an opportunity to really grow and learn. And when Cam does come back, You know, this team will be that much stronger um, having having them had that experience.
0: Well, that's the potential silver lining, you know, that, hey, I mean, is this uh, something that we're going to be talking about in November and say, oh, my God, this was great the way it turned out, but they got to win while he's out. That's the only way to have that silver lining show up, I think. Uh, Brian, uh, before we go, the offensive line obviously is looking a lot different than it did a year ago. Uh, As you said, back in 2013, it wasn't the greatest offensive line on paper anyway and as long as Pete Carroll and John Schneider are here they may never have a phenomenal offensive line uh, you know unless these guys can grow into superstars but uh scale of 1 to 10 1 being no concern whatsoever they're going to be phenomenal they got five all pros and they'll crush people 10 being I'm panicked and I'm worried about Russell Wilson getting killed where are you at with the offensive line right now
1: I'm about a 6 mm, okay yeah i i i think given the if you give the context and you really realize what kind of offensive line play the Seahawks were getting from right tackle and left guard and um, in previous years, I absolutely think that the Seahawks have upgraded at right tackle. I think Gary Gilliam's going to be the best right tackle, especially from a pass protection standpoint that this team has had since at least Sean Locklear. Um, and people would say, oh, Sean Locklear. Sean Locklear was a good pass protector, and he unlocked that 2005 team. The other guy, Chris Terry, who had a late great season with Seahawks back in 2002, and turned Matt Hasselback into a great um, quarterback for that period of time, um, getting that protection. I think, I think I see really great things from Gary Gilliam, so I feel good about that. I think Justin Britt's a guy that, um, you know, is he really is it going to be possible that he's worse than James Carpenter and pass protection? I don't think so. You know, like I think I think he'll struggle at times, and and I, I think he'll figure it out. He's a hard worker. I think he's a good run blocker. I think the wild card is Drew Nowak and and um you know, that guy I take some solace in the fact that hey, they had a choice of Lem Jean Pierre or Patrick Lewis, two right. guys that started right. for them and won right. games for them last year. Right. And they picked this guy. So they think he's better than those guys and they've won with those guys starting games. So you put all those things together and um you know I think I think uh there's a reasonable chance this team can can be okay on the offensive line.
0: Well the uh, the no walk thing uh by the way uh, you're right about that that they could have had Len they could have had Patrick and they also if they really were in dire straits they could have just thrown more money at Evan Mathis and made him a center.
1: That's right. Or Justin Britt by the way who's right. played center before. Right. So right. Um yeah right. I I think I think it's going to be all right and um this is a fantastic first test. You know, if they come out of this game and, and Russell Wilson isn't, in, you know, <laughs> on a stretcher, then that's a pretty good thing.
0: No doubt. Hey, Brian, great stuff, and uh, we'll do it every weekend, man. Good, uh, good job, and go Hawks, and we'll talk uh, next week, buddy. All right, thanks, Softie. All right, Brian Nemhauser. Find him on Twitter, at HawkBlogger, on the web, hawkblogger.com. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you didn't, then uh, whatever. It's free, so stop whining. Uh, great to catch up with Brian Nemhauser right here on 950 KJR.